0: The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith Hill, that's who we are. But why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer, not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by... The word of God. Word. Amen. And so, three weeks, six weeks ago, we started a series talking about uh, the worry free life. Amen. Right and which is also known as the carefree life. Hallelujah. And we said uh, this series is not called the problem-free life because that animal doesn't exist. As long as you are uh, in this world, on this side of the world, you're going to have some problems. Things are going to be thrown at you. Uh, But Jesus has some awesome things to say about that in John 16, I believe, verse 33. He said, in this world, you will suffer tribulation. In other words, there's going to be some challenges. But he went on to say this. He said, be of good cheer here because I have overcome the world, which means we can go through this life with some joy because Jesus has already overcome uh, this world uh, for us. So we can have peace in the midst of terrible, terrible, terrible uh, life circumstances. Why? Because Jesus has obtained that peace for us. It is his peace. He has given it to us and he does not give it to us as the world gives it. The world waits for everything to, lines up, to line up before they can enjoy this peace. We just receive it when we receive Jesus because he is the Prince of Peace. Amen? And because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, our peace in him can be the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we, we, we have this worry-free life available uh, for all of us. And it's, it's, it's not to be uh, uh, in any way underestimated because uh, Jesus actually, it's a part of the redemption of the things that Jesus died for at the cross. You know, we are quick to read Isaiah 53 verse 5, uh, which says by his stripes we are healed and rightly so, but we also miss Isaiah 53 verse 4, which says he bore our griefs. While he was at the cross, Jesus bore our griefs on his body and he carried our sorrows. Amen. Amen. And so not only did uh, Jesus take care of, uh, you know, your salvation so you can go to heaven, uh, uh, your healing so that you can uh, walk in divine health, Jesus also bore. All of your griefs and your sorrows, you know, the things that deeply concern you, the worries of lives, uh, the cares of life, the, the distresses that may come and uh, try to lash themselves on you, Jesus bore them at the cross. And now, uh, all we have to do is to cast them on him and let him carry those worries. Amen. Amen. He also says in uh, Matthew chapter number 6, verse 25, don't worry about anything, what you're going to eat, what you're going to put on, uh, or where you're going to day, where you're going to uh, 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 live, uh, the Lord, our Heavenly Father, knows that we are already uh, in need of all these things, and if He knows, He will provide. In fact, the name Jehovah Jireh means the Lord who knows and provides. So God already knows the things that you are in need of, and He will provide uh, them, uh, for you. First Peter chapter number five, the apostle Peter also had a perspective on the issue in First Peter five, verse six. He said, We should cast how many? Oh. All of our cares. Amen. He said we should cast all of our cares on Him, Him being God. Why? Because God cares for us. And he was quoting from Psalm 55, which says, uh, When we cast all our cares on Him, He will sustain us. Amen. Uh, he tells us in that same passage of scripture to be sober and be vigilant, to be alert, because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, uh, goes to and fro seeking whom he may devour. And we said that word sober means to to be void of any uh, speculative imaginations. And the enemy, really, when you think about worry, they say 95% of the things people worry about never happen. It's just a a figment of their imagination. It's just uh, thoughts, ideas, and suggestions that the enemy has thrown uh, at them, and uh, they receive them, and they've now uh, uh, grown to full uh, uh, fruition, and they're producing after their kind. Amen? And so God has called us uh, to this life. Life of uh, joy, this life of peace. He has called us to this worry-free life. And in the midst of a global pandemic, how many of you know that you can have the worry-free life? Jesus demonstrated it. He was in the midst of a real life uh, storm, uh, a real storm, and Jesus was asleep on the pillow. And uh, it was uh, just uh, an example of how to live life uh, in the midst of life storms. Amen. So quickly, let us go now uh, to to Philippians chapter number 4. We're going to look at uh, uh, Philippians chapter number 4. But before we do that, last week we gave you uh, a big thought, a principle. That's what I like to call it. And it was this, that the lifespan of a worry is determined by the attention you give it. Say that after me. The lifespan of a worry is determined by the attention you give it. So, you know, when the enemy throws worrisome, anxious thoughts at you, uh, the lifespan of those thoughts that he gives you uh, is determined by the attention you give it. If you pay it attention, you know, that that thought, that worrisome thought that you're not going to be able to make uh, ends meet this month, if you pay it any attention, you start meditating on that, uh, you you extend uh, the lifespan of that thought. But if you don't pay it any attention, you ignore it, uh, that life, that, that you know, a uh, 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 worry uh, lifespan is going to be cut short. Amen? And so uh, the, the lifespan of a worry is determined by the attention you give it. You know, attention is like pouring fuel on a fire. When you, when you give uh, these worrisome thoughts, uh, any attention, it's like you're extending uh, their uh, lifespan in your life and in your heart, and they will cause you uh, problems uh, eventually. Mark chapter number 5. We're going to read from verse 22 to 24. Uh, In the Amplified Bible, keep this thought uh, at the top of your mind, the lifespan of a worry is determined by the attention that you give it. And it says, then one of the rulers, I'm reading in the Amplified Classic, Mark chapter number 5, verse 22, then one of the rulers of the synagogue came up, Jairus by name, and seeing him, Jesus, he prostrated himself at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. And Jesus went with him and a great crowd kept following him and pressed him from all sides so as to almost suffocate him. So Jesus is now taking his uh, trip to uh, uh, Jairus' daughter. Uh, In America, they say Jairus. I don't know where they get that. Jairus. This is Jairus. Anyway, if any Americans are watching, Jairus, not Jairus. (laughs) Have you ever heard him say Jairus? I'm like, which Bible are you reading? I didn't see. I saw Jairus. Okay, anyway, so Jesus is tracking, you know, he's walking to Jairus' uh, house, and then uh, uh, there was a woman with the issue of blood. You remember the story? The crowd pressing in, then the woman at the issue of blood. She said within herself, if I can only touch but the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. So she pressed in and touched the hem of his garment, and virtue flowed from Jesus. She got completely healed, and Jesus started, you know, uh, asking the disciples, who touched me? I mean, I felt the power of God uh, flow from me uh, into this person, and the woman said, I'm the one." Who touched you, and uh, he went on to say, Your faith has made you whole. And so, while he's conversing and having that conversation on his way to uh, Jairus's house, something happened. Verse 35 While he was still speaking, uh, there came some from the ruler's house who said to Jairus', Jairus daughter, your daughter has died. Why bother and distress the teacher any further? So they knew that this message was at the uh, 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 potential to distress uh, the teacher. The message that the daughter was sick, had the potential to distress the teacher. The message that the uh, uh, daughter is now dead, had the potential to distress the teacher. Why? Because there are no neutral thoughts in life. There are no neutral thoughts. Uh, Every thought that you receive either carries life or death. Thoughts are capsules of life. Or Death, there are no neutral cho- uh, thoughts, and so this thought was filled with death. by death we're talking about it's filled with uh, everything that came into effect as a result of Adam eating of the fruit and disobeying God in the garden. when we 're talking about death, it's not just limited to ceasing uh, to exist. when we 're talking about death, it goes all the way from uh, stress to uh, poverty to sickness to all these things that came into effect the curse uh, I all a part of the death experience that was initiated in the garden when Adam did what he did. So when we say thoughts uh, carry death, uh, that's what we're talking about. We mean these thoughts carry uh, 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 a seed in them of, uh, you know, poverty, thoughts of, uh, you know, full of worry, thoughts that are full of death and sickness and all these things uh, that, uh, came into effect as a result of what Adam did in the garden. And so they were bringing thoughts that were filled with worry and anxiety. And remember the thought, the big thought we gave you was uh, the lifespan of uh, worry is determined by the attention that you give it. And it says in verse 36, overhearing, but ignoring. So Jesus overheard. But ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Only keep believing. Amen. How do you only keep believing? You overhear certain things, but ignore them. Yeah. Say, oh yeah, COVID-19 is doing something over there. Oh, I, I overheard that, but I ignored and paid my attention to the word of God. Amen. That's the only way you only keep believing. Not, oh, I overheard and I went to hear. Like, hey, uh, you, you, you don't need to bother the teacher anymore. Uh, your son is dead. Say what? What did they say? Oh, the son is. Now you're trying to get more information, right? You're trying to open up your heart for them to plant thoughts and ideas and suggestions that are going to bring death. Hallelujah. Yes. Remember, we said Isaiah 26, verse 3, He shall keep him in perfect peace who is Mind is stayed on him. Why? Because he trusteth in him. So whatever you focus on, uh, that's what you're going to produce. If you focus, uh, if you open up your hearts to all kind of random thoughts, man, you shouldn't do that. Amen? You shouldn't allow the enemy to plant thoughts. When you're dealing with thoughts, thoughts is probably one of the most important things that needs to be governed in a believer's life. This is why Romans chapter number 12 verse 2 becomes the utmost most important scripture uh, you can live out from the day that you get born again. To not be conformed to the patterns of this world. How do you do that? By not allowing the thoughts of the world to come into your heart. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove or manifest what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How do you do that? You move your thoughts from the world to the kingdom of God. Amen? That's good. Amen? Amen. Romans 8.6, to be carnally minded, to be worldly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so Jesus is choosing in this moment, this critical moment, Jesus had to make a choice. Which thoughts is he going to entertain? Is he going to go with the crowds? Oh yeah, the daughter is dead. Or he's going to go with the life giver, which is the word of God. And Jesus chose to go with the word of God. He said to him, do not be seized with alarm And struck with fear, only keep on believing. And he permitted no one to accompany him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. The reason why he picked these three was because they were also doing the same thing, not paying any attention to these worrisome thoughts. Amen? I said amen. Amen. It says in verse 38, when they arrived at the house of the ruler of the synagogue, uh, he looked carefully with understanding at the tumult and the people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had gone in, he said to them, why do you make an uproar and weep? This little girl is not dead, but is sleeping. And they laughed and jeered at him, but he put them all out. And taking the child's father and mother and those who were with him, he went in where the girl was lying. Gripping her firmly by the hand, he said to her, Talita kumi." Two words, Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise from the sleep of death. And instantly, someone say instantly. The reason why Jesus could pray a two-word prayer to raise someone from the dead was because he didn't open his heart up to worrisome, negative, death-giving thoughts. Overhearing, but ignoring. He heard it, but he ignored it. If you read in Romans chapter number 4, verse 17, the same thing happens. Uh, We're talking about Abraham, the father of faith. In verse 17, he says, as it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations before him, God, whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope, natural human hope, believed in hope bible hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be verse 19 and not being weak in faith Abraham was not weak in faith and 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 what was the expression of that not being weak in faith he considered not his own body dead and Uh, When he was about a hundred years old, neither did uh, the deadness of Sarah's womb. The Bible is not saying it wasn't a reality. It's just saying he didn't consider it. Man, that's good. The lifespan of a worry is determined by the attention you give it. Attention is considering it. The Bible says he considered not his own body. It wasn't a factor. When God said, I'm going to give you a child, he didn't say, oh, well, I, I guess that promise is out the window. Now it's out the door because guess what? I'd be 100 years old now. And Sarah, 75, and she hasn't been able to conceive. We have a doctor's report. We have it on paper. Here's the certificate. It says she cannot conceive. Here it is. Here it is. No, Abraham didn't consider that. Amen. He didn't receive that as, as, as evidence uh, to the promise of God not being uh, uh, brought to fruition. Amen? Yeah. He didn't look at that as a factor. Yeah. Amen. I may have said this, you know, to uh, uh, this church in the past series, but I'm going to say it again so that you get it. Any equation of your life that does not factor in God is immaterial and irrelevant. Any equation of life, listen, if you look at just your finances and you come to the conclusion that you're not going to be able to make it, you've come to a conclusion on on the basis of an equation that is irrelevant and immaterial. When you factor God in, now all of a sudden, the outlook of that equation should change. Because once I bring God in, man, he's about to change some things. He says in verse 20, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Abraham didn't consider the facts. The only thing he considered was the promise. The only thing he considered was the truth of God's word. And when you consider the truth of God's word, the facts have to change. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Let's go now to Philippians chapter number four. We're going to read from verse 6 to 8. Philippians chapter number 4 from verse 6 to 8. We're looking at some big thoughts (coughs) as we uh, conclude the series. It says in Philippians 4 from verse 6 to 8, Be anxious for nothing, but in prayer, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known you to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the peace of God will set up a guard on your heart. Why? Because your heart is where your life is lived from. This is why you've got to be careful. And, you know, when we say heart, we're not talking about, you know, the blood pumping organ. When we say heart, we're talking about the, the female part of your mind, the, the subconscious. They like to call it in the scientific world. We're talking about the place that once any thought, uh, uh, thoughts, thoughts are actually called spammers in the Greek. Once any thought reaches the female part of your mind, you, you, man, a baby is coming. Amen. I said amen. It could be thoughts of, uh, uh, of evil that say you're not gonna make it. It could be thoughts of evil that say, you know, you're not gonna uh, receive your healing. If you allow those thoughts to, uh, wade their way through the uh, rational mind, which is the conscious part of your mind, all the way into the subconscious, the female part of your mind, once they reach the heart, the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, so is he. When those thoughts reach your heart, they come into pass. Amen? I said amen. And this is why you need to set up God around your heart. And the peace of God that comes when you cast all your cares on him, the peace of God that comes when you uh, 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 make your request known unto God, the peace of God that comes will set up a guard around your heart and you begin to carefully check out every thought. That's what you must do. You must investigate every thought that comes into your heart before you allow it space into your heart because it will bring forth fruit. Can I get an amen? And so he says here, and uh, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We talked a few weeks ago about how when soldiers uh, soldiers set up camp, uh, they you know usually have a perimeter around the camp, and sometimes they have a wall. Sometimes they have a fence, and electric fence, and they station some guards on that fence and on that wall uh, to make sure that nothing just finds its, uh, its way into the camp. Because if you allow anything to just find its way into the camp, the, the integrity and the safety of the camp uh, can be compromised. So they usually have one access point, a gate usually, where everything goes through. You know, everything must be checked out. When a car comes in, you know, they're going to look for explosives. They're going to look for contrabands. They're going to check that thing out. Uh, before they allow it to go into the camp. uh, Because if they allow all kinds of things in there, it's going to compromise the camp. And everybody in the camp is going to be in trouble. Amen? And here's what's interesting about soldiers is that even soldiers that belong in the camp, if they go out somewhere to town to do something, when they come back, they also must be checked out. Amen? Amen? And similarly, when it comes to our hearts, every thought that finds its way into the camp of our hearts must be checked out, must be checked out. And some of you may say, well, Pastor D, it feels like a lot of work. It feels like I've been doing that, a lot of work. Well, it's way better work than cleaning up the mess that happens if you allow all kinds of things to go into the camp. Amen. 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 It would have been a less mess if you had checked out that thought, that said, hey, you know, you can get away from your wife, you can go and find a hotel, you can, you can text and hide. put a new uh, PIN number on your phone, she's not going to find her, she's not going to find her. So I'm going to leave you. It started as a thought. Yes. You could have stopped that thought. You could have stopped, you could have checked out that thought, investigated that thought at the gate, spent some time working on yourself, making sure that that thought doesn't find its way into your heart. You could have, you could have literally aborted that thought at the gate. But here you are now uh, at my office. That's what usually happens. Here you are on the, Pastor, please help me get it back. Pastor, why do you help me get it back? No, I won't. I'm actually dealing with an issue right now. It's not from this church, so don't try to figure it out. <laughs> I'm dealing with an issue right now. An unkept thought life. Allowed all kinds of thoughts. Went in there, man cheated on their spouse. And their spouse said, man, I don't, I don't want you anymore. And now they come into my office, pastor, will you please go on a fast? With, fast. I'm going to go on a fast. Fast. to live. I can't eat cream for one full day for you. We could have fixed it. Right now. Amen. We could have fixed it. You check out every thought. You investigate that thought. You would have seen that this thought has some problems. This thought is going to bring some... You would have, I mean, aborted that thought right at the gate. You didn't have to get all the way into the camp. Pastor, will you please pray for me that my kids respect? You see, because there's some things that happen when you allow all kinds of thoughts to just evade your There's some things that, listen, God will forgive you. We are a grace church. God is going to forgive you, but your spouse may not. Well, she may forgive you and leave you. And your kids, they're going to lose respect. Pastor, you know, pray for me. that my kids listen to me. They don't listen to me. They're just going to think you're a clown. Okay, all right, let me move right along. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Y'all getting hostile. <laughs> this is good preaching. So you've got to set up a perimeter on the garden of your heart. Everything going in must be checked out. Yeah. Every thought must be checked out yeah. against God's word. We're going to cheat. You know, we, we go, I think we should cheat on these taxes. That's a thought. That's a thought. We're going to cheat on these taxes. And, you know, we're going to be able to make an extra 10000 20000 one million, two, we're going to cheat on this thing, man. That's a thought. That thought should, should, be, should not be allowed access into the camp. Okay, all right, okay, all right. Moving right along. <laughs> Let's go to Acts chapter number 17. And the business said, the businessman said, amen. <laughs> Acts chapter number 17, verse 11. He's talking about the Bereans. Watch what it says. It says, these were more fair-minded or noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So every time they received God's word, they would get home and check it out some more to see. See, because just because it's coming from the pulpit doesn't mean this is what God is saying. I mean, there are all kinds of things that are coming out of all kinds of pulpits. I've heard people in pulpits say, God causes sickness and disease. And if you don't check it out yourself, people are going to feed you some stuff, and you're going to receive that stuff and allow it to reprogram your mind, because that's what we're doing, that's what we're trying to get God's Word to do. You're going to allow those things to reprogram your mind, and you're going to start believing the wrong thing. Instead of the right thing. So how do you fix that? Every time you get the word, every time you come here, you listen to my teaching. Man, when you get home, you need to check it out to see if that thing is so. Amen. Before you allow it into your heart, you need, it must be checked out. Is this so? And if it is not so, you shouldn't receive it. You know, Pastor Henry is on a strict diet. And... Uh, 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 you know, he's a tough cookie to take out to eat because, you know, he's reading everything. You know, you go out to eat. I mean, he's picking up uh, drinks and he wants to know what's in it, you know, 600, and he's pulling out his calculator and he's doing the math. (laughs) Man, I'm with the waiters, man. They spend at least 5 minutes just discussing what's in the food before he finalizes his order, you know, cuz he wants to be careful what you know, what he's putting in his body. And this is I mean, it's commendable. Praise God, you know, for that, you know. Uh, except the one time we went out to eat pizza and he got cauliflower-based pizza. <laughs> cauliflower. The base of the pizza was cauliflower. It's yucky. You should mm. <laughs> But here's the deal, is that this is something going into his physical body, which will soon perish, right? Now, how much more should we be doing about the health of our minds, the health of our souls, the health of our mind, will, and emotions. I mean, we should be more strict when it comes to that. Listen, the world is trying to put into your mind all kinds of junk. You ever heard the acronym GIGA? Garbage in. When it comes to your mind, it's always garbage in, garbage out. And this is why we don't look to Hollywood to learn about life. I don't watch movies. I told my wife last night, we decided we were going to watch a movie. And I told her, I said, man, I watch movies for entertainment. Let's find something with shooting and kicking. And, and that, that's as much as I allow Hollywood to bring to me. I don't make life decisions. I've heard people say, you know, and James in that movie, he handled this situation this way. So I'm going to handle it. Are you kidding me? I don't get life help from hollywood amen. hollywood needs life help from us yes. the church yep. <laughs> amen yeah. And how do we... Uh, uh, get that help to ourselves, we do it through being established in the truth, in the, in the word of God. The Bereans, when they got home, they would check it out. So when Pastor Henry is saying, man, go to Live Group, when he's saying, man, get involved with all these things that are going to get the word to you, it's not because we've realized you don't have much going on in your calendar and we just want to put some things in there. It's because we want you to be established in the truth, in God's word, because when you are, you're not going to have any issues, you know, going out there and the world trying to dump their garbage into your heart. You're going to see it a mile away and stop it from invading the camp. Yeah. Amen. The camp of your heart. Amen? So the Bereans were more noble. Let's go now and see how Jesus uh, executed this same principle. Matthew chapter number 4. Oh, Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter number 4. We're going to read from verse 3 to 11. This is talking about when Jesus went into the wilderness uh, fasting. You remember the story? It says in verse 3, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Let's stop right there. A lot of people think that when the Bible says, when the tempter came to him, a lot of people uh, in the church uh, think that uh, you know, the Bible is saying the devil came to Jesus physically. See, we're so conditioned to think that things happen in the physical realm. Uh, when you see even the illustrations for the kids' ministry's uh, 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 depiction of this verse, it's, it's a real devil with Jesus and some real stones, and, and Jesus is there. Yes, there were real stones, there was Jesus, but the devil didn't come in physical form. He came as thoughts, someone say thoughts, thoughts. ideas, someone say ideas, yes. and suggestions, someone say suggestions. Yes. The devil is always going to come as thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Just like he tried it in the Garden of Eden to Eve, he went in a serpent because it was the most subtle, the most sneaky of all the animals in the garden. Amen. Do you realize that the devil didn't you know, possess the elephant, put his foot on Eve's head and say, you will eat by force. No, he didn't. He possessed a snake, and the snake went and said, did God say? Dropped a thought an idea, and a suggestion. And so this was happening in Jesus' mind. The devil came to him because he was hungry. And a thought came to him from Satan. He didn't show up in a red you know, suit, pitchfork, horn sticking out. Yeah, I'm the devil. Turn these stones to bread, 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 bread. <laughs> No, it was a thought. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. When you are hungry, turning stones to bread is a good idea. Some of these things sound like great ideas. But if they don't line up with God's word, they shouldn't be uh, uh, actioned. Amen? And so this is what Jesus said, verse 4. He answered and said, it is written. What did he say? I mean, you'd think he's the son of man. He's the son of God. He doesn't need the Bible, right? He can command the wind and the fire. You know, uh, uh, Captain Planet, right? Earth, wind, fire. He's the son of man and just devil, get off me, earth, wind, but No, he goes back to the word because our power to stand any kind of deception, any kind of deceptive thoughts, ideas, and suggestions is resident in God's word. The only thing that's going to help you against the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions of worry and anxiety and stress is God's word. And so Jesus said, it is written. And he quoted what was written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written. Now Mr. Devil is also, it is (laughs) Did you see that? Mr. Devil is like, oh, okay, you want to play, it is written. I'm also going to play, it is written. Now the devil is also, for it is written. Now if you don't know what's really written. Because the devil will take what's written, but just take out one word. Mm -hmm. Or add one word. And so you've been saying, it is written, it is written. he says, okay, yeah, it is written. Amen? Amen. He says, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and their hands shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Let me read that verse in the King James Bible, if you don't mind. Thank you, Jesus. You got the King James? He said there, if this is the original translation, he says, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hand they shall bear thee up. And then he added those uh, four words, Lest at any time. The context of Psalm 91 was, He who dwells in the secret place of the most high God in the shelter of the most high God, he who abides under the shadow of the Almighty. He is the one that is going to be protected. Amen. Not at any time. At the time you're at the hotel with the with the no, not that time. <laughs> so he added that word at any time. No, it didn't say at any time. Hallelujah! And <laughs> their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash the foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I'll give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then, you know, when you ignore that thought, right? You keep ignoring that thought. Watch what happens. Verse 11. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. He's going to leave you. At some point, thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, worrisome thoughts, anxiety, man, they're going to leave you alone. They don't like to be ignored, just like you don't like to be ignored. At some point, they're going to leave you alone. Amen? But you have to be established in these three words. It is written. Because if you don't know what's written, he's going to play the joker first. Have you ever seen, you know, you playing Crazy Eight, and then the other guys, I mean, they don't even wait for the first round. Just joker, pick five. That's what he's going to do to you. If you don't know what's written, he's going to show up and say to you, for it is written. And if you don't know what's written, You're going to go with his it is written, which is not true. You've got to be established in the true note. That's what I said in the first service. For you to be able to distinguish a, a, a real 200 rand from a fake one is you get yourself established in the real 200 rand. If you try to study the fakes, man, they keep coming up with new fakes. But when you are established in the truth, you can smell a fake a mile away. And so the way to be established in being able to have an access point that is functional, that will not allow all kinds of thoughts to come into your heart and cause all kinds of problems, is to be established in God's Word. Not in emotionalism, not in just you know going to church regularly, religiously, but to actually realize that while I'm at church, I must allow my uh, mind to receive God's word so that I can be established in this thing. It is written. When sickness tries to let itself on me the next time, I'm going to say it is written. He was wounded for my, trans- my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him and with his stripes, he, he, he healed me. Amen. I am healed. When poverty tries to latch itself on me, I'm going to say, it is written. Philippians 4 verse 19, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It is written. I didn't hear somebody quote it. No, I read it and I'm established in it. It is written. So you've got to be established in the, it is written. Amen? amen. I said, amen. Amen. Let's go now to Romans chapter number 8, verse 18 as we close. Romans 8, verse 18. How else do you defeat worry, fear, and anxiety? You do it through having a heavenly perspective. Someone say, heavenly perspective. You see, when it comes to worry and fear and anxiety, perspective is everything. If you're writing down notes, write these two uh, 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 big thoughts down. Number one, uh, perspective is everything. Number two, heaven uh, possess a heavenly perspective. Possess a heavenly perspective. Every situation, you must assess it from this perspective of heaven and the glory of God and the kingdom of God and where we are going. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know, I I told you this story four weeks ago. Uh, I bought my uh, daughter, a few years ago, I bought my daughter a little doll. LOL doll is an expensive little, you know, doll. And I came and I I gave it to her. And uh, she took it upstairs to go play with this little doll. And uh, in minutes... She started crying hysterically. I mean, she's crying. Panic mode, everything. It sounds like, man, there's great pandemonium upstairs. So I said, hey, tonight, what's going on? And she comes downstairs, and she's crying. She's holding the head of the doll in one hand and the little body in the other. Yeah, daddy, look, it's broken. And she puts it in my hand, and I just take that little body and the head of the elbow, and I popped it back in, and I gave it back to her. And I said, you know what? All of that was just too much for this and sometimes just sometimes when God looks from heaven and sees the way you're mourning and crying about what you're going just sometimes God looks down and he says I don't think all of that is warranted just for you know why? because he's looking at it from his perspective There are some of you in 2010, right here, under the sound of my voice, if not here, those who are watching online, there are some of you in 2010 who couldn't live. I can't live without it. And the I can't live without it that you couldn't live without was a blackberry, 9110. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is the thing called? Blackberry. I don't know the names. It's a blackberry. <laughs> the curve, right? The blackberry curve. There's there's someone in here who said in 2020, I can't live without a blackberry 2010. And today, anybody who can live without a blackberry? Anybody? Nobody. It's like, man, what's that? And what a heavenly perspective gives you is this. That if it's not going to matter 200 years from today, it shouldn't matter today. Amen. Amen. The thing that you're stressed about, if it's not going to matter 100 years from today when we are all gone and we've checked out of here, if it's not going to matter then, it shouldn't matter today perspective is everything. And so the Apostle Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul had a heavenly perspective, and all the things that he went through, he looked at it from that heavenly perspective, and because of that, those things did not have an impact on him. You can become immune to the things that everybody else around you is crying about, they're mourning about, they're having sleepless nights about. You can be immune to all of that if you possess a heavenly perspective on matters. Yeah. Amen. The Bible says in Isaiah 65 verse 11, when we get to heaven, God says this. He says, see, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they even come to mind. Wow. That's how awesome heaven is going to be. The things that are tormenting you right now, they won't even cross your mind. That's the glory is going to reveal. And by the way, when the apostle Paul said these present sufferings, he called them light afflictions. When he called them these light afflictions, man, let's look at the catalog of those light afflictions. So you can see what he called light. And every, every affliction that I read on the catalog, I want you to compare it with what you're going through right now. And I'm telling you, at the end of this catalog, you're going to realize, you're going to turn around and say, man, I'm not going through nothing. Yeah. You're going to realize, you know what? I'm good. Praise God. Amen. Amen? Amen? Second Corinthians chapter number 11, verse 23 to 29. I'm reading in the Message Bible, if you will. He said, I've worked much harder and have been jailed more often. Anybody been jailed? Anybody? <laughs> Nobody been jailed. He says, I've been jailed, jailed for the gospel. He says, I've been beaten up more times than I can count for the gospel, right? Is this the wrong, is this the wrong verse? Is the right one? I oh, it starts in the middle somewhere. All right. Okay, cool. Uh, he says, I've been flogged uh, five times with the Jews' 39 lashes. Five times. He says, beaten by the Roman rods three times. And this is why the, uh, the Romans used to beat people up for the gospel, for preaching the gospel with rods. They would sit you down and pull your legs up and beat you under your feet, break your bones and stuff. I mean, it was crazy. And he says, I've been pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times. I've been immersed in the open sea for a night and a day. In hard traveling, year in and year out. Anybody walk to church this morning? The Apostle Paul said, man, uh, 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 hard traveling. After being flocked under your feet, you still had to walk to go and preach the gospel. And he calls that present sufferings not even worth it to bring up when it comes to the glory that God is getting ready to reveal in us. He calls it light affliction. And here you are. You're going to get mad and ready to quit. Hang up the boots when it comes to preaching the gospel because someone didn't say hi to you. Man, when we get to heaven, it's going to be tough to relate to the apostles. Okay, moving right along. In hard traveling, year in, year out, I've had to ford rivers, you know, cross rivers that are full. Fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by the desert sun and sea storm, betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather, and that's not half of it. When you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches. When someone gets to the end of his rope, I feel the desperation in my bones. That's the Apostle Paul. And he turns around and he calls all of this light affliction. I read this catalog and I went and I looked myself in the mirror and I said, Tafara, you have no right to be offended about anything. I looked myself in the mirror. I was preaching to me. I looked myself after I read this catalog. I said, You have no right to be offended about anything. And I'm not saying you're not going to get opportunities. You're going to get several opportunities to be offended. But if you don't have a heavenly perspective, man, you're going to be on the edge all the time. You're going to be a Christian on the edge all the time. Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes that makes me wonder how I keep on going under. Broken glass. Everywhere. Okay. You have no right to be offended. I was in Durban. We went for a minister's uh, conference. It was a quick minister's conference. In and out. Rob Rufus was speaking. It was a 20, Twenty-three of us, or 21, I don't remember. Pastor Danz and I, we went there. And uh, as I get there, as I get to the minister's conference, they were serving breakfast, and I joined the line to go and serve myself some breakfast with Pastor Dance. As we were getting to the front to get the breakfast, the lady was, you know, organizing the event, just passed on a comment. It's offensive, plump off. I mean, it's straight up offensive. She said, hey, just make sure you don't fill up that entire plate. You need to leave some of that food for, you know, the people behind you. Man, you feel the flesh on the inside of you. You just feel the flesh starts to bubble. It just starts to simmer, you know, that, 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 the flesh side of you. See, if your heavenly perspective is not higher, man, you start feeling that flesh. You just start feeling that flesh. It's, it's, and Pastor Denz is hunching me. He says, man, let's get up out of here. Let's go. Let's go now, man. Let's go. Let's leave. I'm saying no. I'm saying no. When I, when I compare all of that to this, I have no right to be offended. Man, I'm feeling it. I'm in my heart, the, the flesh side, if the heavenly perspective side was little, I mean, I would have been offended. I would have left. True story. But, you know, I've decided that I'm going to be so heavenly focused. I'm going to have a heavenly perspective that I won't allow anybody to offend me. You can try, but you won't be successful at it. I mean, the the flesh side is rising. I feel like telling a man, woman, let me tell you something. I can buy every single person in this building breakfast. I can buy this entire place. I can buy you and take you home with me. (laughs) That's what I want to do in my flesh, right? I'm feeling it. I'm feeling like, man, I need to talk to you for a minute. But when you realize the calling of God in your life, when you realize what God has called you to, when you realize that there is a perspective, and that perspective is called heavenly perspective, listen, the things that you are worried about today, all of a sudden you turn around and say, man, these concerns aren't even concerns. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Amen? God, God has called us to a higher living. And the only way we can operate at that level is when we start to embrace this heavenly perspective. See everything from God's perspective and nothing will torment you. No worries will torment you. No fears will torment you. And I have to quit because I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, we just thank you for these, your precious children. Lord, we just pray right now, even as we end this series, Lord, we just pray that your peace which surpasses all understanding. Lord, we just pray right now that your peace which comes from who you are, the Prince of Peace, your shalom, your wholeness, nothing missing and nothing broken. Lord, we just pray this morning that that peace will begin to invade their hearts. Not just their hearts, Father, but even their households, their places of dwelling. Lord, we just thank you that these, your children, will not suffer even in the night seasons. They will not suffer from insomnia. They will not suffer from restlessness. They will not have nightmares. But Father, that they will enjoy sweet sleep. Father, we just thank you for your blessing which makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. These, your precious children, will not lack any good thing. But Father, that your blessings will be made manifest in their lives. We speak against the spirit uh, of being offended the scandalon, that bait, that trap of Satan that he tries to use to stop people from seeing the full manifestation of their potential. We bind it and rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Father, we just thank you that these, your children, have a heavenly perspective. A heavenly perspective, such as uh, a had head. A perspective that says this is just but light affliction. The work must be done. A perspective that says uh, these present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us a perspective of where we are going and how greater and how awesome it's going to be. Father, I thank you that these, your precious children, will be in a place of peace. They will be in a place where they will enjoy your joy constantly. Even if you have instructed us to be of good cheer. Lord, I thank you, Father, that these, your precious children, will be filled with joy and they will take heed to the instruction that amen. the apostle gave us to rejoice. And again, he said, For us to rejoice. Lord, we just thank you and we give you all the praise. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone said, Amen, and Amen, amen. and Amen. Come on, let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm telling you We can be those That will be known for their joy Amen I said amen We can be those that will be known For rejoicing Even going through what we're going through And people know that Man, we are supposed to be sad We can be glad Amen And it's a decision away The Apostle Paul said Rejoice And again, I say rejoice. David said, I was glad. I was glad. Man, there's gladness in the house of the Lord. Amen. And the house of the Lord is you. It's your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Man, you ought to be filled with gladness. Amen. When you show up, the season of joy has begun. Man, you come to our offices, you ask them, you say, when a, a PT shows up, what happens? Everybody gets happy because it's contagious. When you show up, people ought to sense some joy, the joy of the Lord, and it gives them strength to face one more day. Amen? Man, I'm telling you, you are the carriers of the Holy Ghost. And you have joy on the inside of you. Righteousness, peace and joy, right? In the Holy Spirit. It's, on the, it's already on the inside of you. And you need to just start letting it out. Don't show up all moody and sad. and you know, Man, don't be known for mood swings at work. This is by the Holy Ghost. I'm talking to somebody that needs to hear this. Show up with mood swings at work. Man, show up glad. Full of joy. If you need to get rid of someone, you can fire them with joy. Hallelujah. We're not gonna welcome you here tomorrow. Next week, we will bless you with three months. Uh a severance pay. We love you. God bless you. Bye bye. <laughs> Give them a hug on their way out. Amen. You don't have to be sad and you know mad all the time. You ought to let the gladness, the joy of the Lord flow out of you. And you look better. Hey, you even look better when you smile right look better when you have joy the joy of the lord uh working in you praise god we hope this message has been a blessing to you thank you for listening to find out more about how you can become a partner visit faithhill.tv today